we're going to begin this morning a study in the book of Philippians. And so I encourage you to go ahead and turn to Philippians. Um, I do want to give you a little context of where this letter came from, this letter from Paul to the church at Philippi, as we'll see as we begin to read this. Um, I, I want us to see this, but the the whole series, we're going to be talking about how we are going to be being the church together, that this is something that we're all in together. And this morning, we're going to be talking about our partnership in the gospel, uh, as Paul will mention in, in this passage. Um, but before we look at Philippians, uh, once you're there, you can hold your spot because that's where we're going to spend a majority of the time this morning. Uh, but before that, I want you to, to turn with me to Mark. Sorry, Mark. I said that this morning too. Acts, sorry. <clears throat> Acts chapter 15. And I'm just, we're not going to read here. I just want you to be able to see where it's at in your Bible. And you, I'm just going to summarize this uh, so that we can spend a majority of our time in Philippians. But <clears throat> Acts chapter 15, verse 36. How many of you... Remember in Acts, this is where we're looking right here, Acts chapter 15, verse 36, when uh, Paul and Barnabas decided to go their separate ways. Anybody remember that story? What was happening is that Mark had decided that he wanted to go home. Different people believe there are different reasons for it. Uh, a lot of scholars believe that he was simply homesick and he missed his mom which might be the case for me and Rose here in a couple of weeks, okay? So we can relate. But Mark, for whatever reason, had decided to leave um, the trip with Paul and Barnabas. And, and then later he wanted to come back and return and to continue their work with them. And when this happened, Barnabas, who was an encourager, who was the person who went to Paul, uh, Saul, when he became Paul, um, went to Saul uh, and, and offered friendship, even though it was at the risk of his life because Saul had been previously killing and imprisoning uh, pri- uh, Christians. And here he is, Barnabas is taking a chance on him. And now Barnabas wants to take a chance on Mark, and, and Paul is not so willing. And there's risks involved. that I, I don't think either one of them were wrong, Paul and Barnabas. If, if you're a details person... And, and you're worried about um, making sure that everything's in line so that the trip succeeds, the mission trip succeeds, then you probably fall on Paul's side of that disagreement. If you are a person who is an encourager and who just wants to be there for people, and, and even when they make mistakes, you want them to know that they're loved and, and that you're that type of personality, then you probably fit on Barnabas's side of that disagreement. But they disagreed. And this is something that happens in relationships sometimes, right? How many of you have ever had a disagreement with your spouse? Oh, nobody. Awesome. That's incredible. I didn't know this town existed. Wow, y'all are going to be disappointed with me and Rose. No, but disagreements happen. How many of you have ever had a disagreement with your child? Right? Okay, that one's a lot easier to answer. Y'all were worried I was going to ask you to tell me an example of a disagreement with your spouse, weren't you? But um, disagreements happen in relationships. And 
in relationships like a husband and a wife, then you're not supposed to get out of those relationships. You work through it no matter the cost. But then there are times in life when, for whatever reason, relationships come to an end. Friendships, partnerships, that kind of thing. And you guys had a pastor for, what, eight years? Was, were your, was your last pastor here for eight years? And I've heard some great things that he has he did while he was here. I might be wrong on the eight years thing. Don't quote me on that. Um, but uh, I, I've heard he's done, he did some incredible things while he was here. He loved a lot of people. He did a lot of good things. Uh, but for whatever reason, as with most churches and most pastors, that relationship came to an end. Now, that that's one of the elephants in the room when you're coming into a church is that there's a transition. I couldn't come in if someone else wouldn't have gone out, right? And so what I want to make sure that we're doing this morning is that we're, we are realizing that in the past, things happened. And those things, we can't do anything about that. That's done and over, and that's how it is, and it happened how it happened. And that's in the past, and we're, we're going to make a transition now. And we, we don't know where God's taking us. When, when your pastor, when your former pastor, announced that he was leaving, how many of you knew what God was going to do? Anybody? Now, this is one that you don't raise your hand on, okay? Um, we can't tell the future. We don't know the future. God is in control of this. It might have taken you by surprise when it happened, but it did not take God by surprise. And so we see this in Paul and Barnabas's situation. We see that Paul and Barnabas split, which seems like when you first read it, wow, this is insane. This is crazy. Why did this happen? How could this happen? Um, I, I can remember the first time I was reading through Acts and I came to this spot. I just couldn't believe that it's Paul and Barnabas, right? How can they uh, split up their partnership in this way? But sometimes it happens. And now I have, uh, if, if I were forced to take sides, I would take a side in this argument. I would probably take Barnabas's side. But again, I think it comes down to personality and it comes down to choices. And they made their choices. And we never see in Scripture where it seems like it was a, a, the wrong choice. In fact, have you heard of Mark? After this situation, of, co- of course we have. He, he wrote the gospel according to Mark. Um, and then when they s- go in their different directions, of course, Barnabas and Mark are teamed up. But Paul teams up with Timothy. And in a minute, we'll see that he even teams up with Luke. And we have Paul's letters to Timothy in the Bible. It, the letter to the church at Philippi, Philippians. Um, it was written by Paul, but Timothy was there with him when he wrote it. So Timothy, we know how important Timothy is. Uh, Luke, he wrote not only this book that we're reading, Acts, um, but he also wrote, wrote the gospel according to Luke. And so both relationships flourished. And so I, I personally do not know your former pastor, but I hope that you can all come to a place where you are praying that his ministry will flourish, that God will use him to do incredible things for the kingdom for the rest of his life. And, and I hope we can come to that place. And so what I want to do is I just want us to pause right now. And I'm going to ask if there's someone, I know I'm asking you to you know do something that you might feel a little uncomfortable with, so it might take a second for someone to volunteer. 
But I want to ask that someone who is close to your previous pastor, if, if you would pray for him right now. If, is there anyone who would be willing to stand and pray for your former pastor? Amen. Thank you. And so that's one side of that split and that partnership. And on the other side, here we are today. And we, we have been praying and we will continue to pray that God will bless this side of things. And so what we're going to see, we're going to follow uh, Paul's side of this because that's where the scripture goes in Acts. And we, you'll see why it goes that way in just a moment. Um, but in, in Acts chapter 16, uh, Timothy and, and Paul, or Timothy joins Paul and Silas as they're going. And so uh, Timothy um, was Paul's, I would say, his greatest mentee. So Timothy looked up to Paul. Uh, Paul was like a father to Timothy. We will talk a lot about Paul and Timothy in the coming months, years, uh, while I'm here. Because I, I love their relationship. I think we have a lot to learn from it. Uh, but this morning, we're going to move on. And so we see in that as they go, as they're going to spread the gospel, if you will look in verse 6 of Acts chapter 16, it says that they were, were going through this certain region and they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak in Asia. We don't know why. We don't know what the deal was. All we know is that the Holy Spirit would not allow them to speak there. And then in verse 7, um, they were attempting to go into Bithynia. And Paul, one night, had this vision of this man from Macedonia. And the man appeared to him and said, Come. Come speak to me. I'm over here in Macedonia. Come over this way. And... We, we don't know the details of the dream. We don't know the details of the vision. We don't know everything that's going on. But we see in verse 9 that the man appears and he says, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And then look at verse 10. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we... And look at that pronoun, we. I was an English major, so sometimes I just point out nerdy things like that. Okay? So look at that word, we. Well, before that... Jump back to verse 6, and they, verse 7, and when they. And so the pronoun went from they to we. And so at this point is when Luke, who wrote Acts, joined their trip. Now, there's not a lot of evidence for this, except for, I think it hinges on that change in pronoun, they and we. But some people believe that it was Luke who was the man in the vision that Paul had. That when Paul had his vision, he was seeing Luke. And that's they sought him out, and he, they found him, and he joined. I don't know if that's the case, but what I do know is, is that the pronoun was they before that moment, and the pronoun was we after that moment. And so Luke joins this trip. He joins this journey. And we see this here in Acts. And so the Holy Spirit wouldn't let them go and speak in Asia. They wanted to go to Bithynia, and then God gave this vision and changed that plan, and they ended up here. Now, I can relate, because there were a lot of places I was considering going when we first started looking at finding a church, and I'm just going to be honest, Mansfield was not on the list at that point. In fact, I had never heard of Mansfield at that point. I've heard of Fort Smith, so I'm kind of close. Um, I heard someone mention Greenwood before. Uh, although I've never been there. But God had a plan. 
God wanted, he was the one working this out. And Paul and Silas and Timothy were ready to go. They were ready to follow God and they were going this way. They were obedient. They were going. A lot of times we just wait to hear from God and we don't do anything and we we wait and 10 years has passed and we haven't obeyed him. They were obeying him and they were going and they were doing the things that he had called them to do. He had called them to go and make disciples as he calls all of us. They were on this mission and they were in the process of going and he would he would stop them. He would get as they were praying, as they were spending time with God, he would give them direction. The Holy Spirit would forbid them to speak. The Holy Spirit, uh, the Spirit of Jesus, it says, would give, would give Paul this vision of this man in Macedonia. And so God is orchestrating this. Even though they're the ones going, they're the ones doing, God is the one in control. God is the one orchestrating all this. And that's where we are. We know a lot of things that we need to do to obey Scripture. Right? If we just start with love, serve, those are hard to do sometimes, aren't they? How many of us, there are times when we are tempted not to put a friend or a spouse or someone else before ourselves? Isn't it tempting to want to care about our own needs and desires before theirs? It, it, and if, if you, you know, I'm going to come watch you and watch who controls the TV if you tell me no. Because I know everybody wants that control in their hand. Um, if you watch TV. Uh, anyway, so God is controlling this, and he has given us things to obey, and we need to obey those things. And so Paul has this vision, and, and they're going to Macedonia. Now, Philippi is in this region of Macedonia. And so when we see this, uh, uh, Luke joining this team at this point, um, a, a lot of people believe that Luke was actually from Philippi. And not only that, but we know that when Paul and Silas and Timothy leave, uh, that Luke stays behind in Philippi. And on Paul's third trip to Philippi, he, he has a close relationship with this church, as we will see. On his third trip to Philippi, uh, Luke leaves with him at that point. And so there is an incredible amount of ties to this letter that we're going to read, to this church, to this town. And we, if you were to keep reading in Acts 16, you would see these great stories. When Paul meets Lydia, and Lydia is converted, and Lydia becomes one of the leaders of the church. Um, when, when Paul and Silas are thrown in prison um, because they heal this girl who's possessed, and it's a long story, you can read it there. Uh, but they're thrown in prison, and an earthquake happens as they're singing and praising God. An earthquake occurs, and... The, the jailer thinks that his life is over because surely the prisoners will have escaped. But Paul and Silas say, no, we're here. We've, we've waited. And that jailer and his whole family are saved and baptized. And so that's the Philippian jailer. That, these are all things that are occurring um, previous to this letter being written. And so now if you fast forward through a lot of relationships, a lot of strong roots that have been built, then you, we will get to... This letter at Philippi. So if you will turn there with me. And I know that was a lot of background. But we're going to be spending the next several weeks in, in Philippians. And so I wanted you to, ha- to understand where it came from. And what the connections are. And the ties are. Uh, that you could see all of this happen. And you could tra- trace all of this back. To the moment. And you can go further back than this. But there's that moment where Barnabas and Paul split directions. 
And God wasn't through with them at that moment. That was just the beginning of some great things to happen. And so I'm praying for us that this is the beginning of some great, incredible things that God is going to do in our lives, in the life of this church, in the life of this town, and the surrounding communities. How many of you actually live in the city limits of Mansfield? Yeah, that's going to change. We've we got to reach our town here. Uh, how many of you live outside the community? All right, y'all, y'all got to reach your communities too, okay? So we're just going to reach everybody. Um, okay. So look at with me at Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It'll be up on the screen. Feel free to follow along in whatever translation you're using or to read up there. Um, or I've got a little bit of a cold, so my, my voice, it does sound a little bit like Johnny Cash this morning. So thanks, Tim. <clears throat> but anyway, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers, and deacons. So we see right away, Paul opens this letter with the standard greeting, uh, uh, standard introduction, I should say. And it's Paul writing it, but Timothy is there with him. They're servants of Jesus Christ. And I, I like words. I think we should pay attention to words. Paul does not always start his letter as a slave to Christ or a servant to Christ. There are different greetings that he uses, but he chooses in this letter to use servants of Christ because he is going, this is foreshadowing, that he is going to spend this letter encouraging the Philippians to humble themselves, to put others before themselves. And this is one of the themes, one of the many themes that we find in Philippians. Now, why did I choose Philippians? I chose Philippians uh, selfishly because I love it. It's great. It's a great a book in the Bible, great letter. Uh, but I also chose Philippians because it's one of the most encouraging letters in in the Bible. And I've heard from many of you, and I think that a little bit of encouragement is in store, and that it's time for some encouragement. And so, this letter is written by Paul with Timothy, uh, servants of Christ, to the saints, the Christians who live there at Philippi, and. And he's, you know, specifically addressing it to everyone, but, uh, you know, in care of the overseers and deacons. So verse 2, grace to you and peace from our God and our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, he's saying he's using a standard greeting. You know, it'd be like us sending an email. Hey, what's up? Right. Or if you're a little more formal, um, hello, or to whom it may concern. He is addressing this letter, and then he's saying, uh, he's starting it with just this encouraging word, grace to you and peace from, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. They're in common standing. They're all Christians here. And uh, so, verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrances of you. Now, I, I know all of us have people that when we think of them, when we remember them, we have fond memories of them. I have a lot of people like that in my life. Some of them are right here in this room with me. Uh, some of them are not. Uh, when I think of my best friend, Michael Pettit, when I think of the change that God, the radical change God has made in his life, when I think about the father he is, when I think about uh, the conversations we've had, when I think about the times when I was at the bottom of the pit and he was there to encourage me, Every time I think of him, I'm thanking God in my remembrance of him. 
And that's what Paul is doing here. I hope you have people like that in your life. In fact, if you'll come back tonight at 6 p.m., shameless plug, um, then we, we will continue this conversation. What we're going to do here for the first few weeks, and unless there's something else planned that I don't know about, is we are going, the, the evening service and the morning service are going to be connected. When we come in the morning, then you're going to hear me give this expositional sermon as we go verse by verse, looking at what Philippians says, and hopefully it will be quality and somewhat entertaining and good. I hope. Um, if, if it's not, tell Rose and she'll break it to me. Uh, but at night, to, personally, I am going to enjoy the night even more than the morning. I know because at night we're going to come and we're going to have more uh, discussion we're going to talk about these things, okay? So tonight you can come prepared to tell us who are the people that meant a lot to you in your life? Who are the people that you thank God every time you remember them? Because those are the kind of things that we're going to do. We're going to dive deeper into the text and we're going to be able to discuss it. Because while preaching is something that is in Scripture, that is valuable, that will change the world through preaching, I'm not underestimating preaching, but I do think that we underestimate what all of the church has to offer to each other. And so on Sunday nights, I encourage you to come back tonight, and we're going to be continuing in this. And I'm not going to make anybody talk who doesn't want to talk yet. Um, So, continuing, I thank my God in all my remembrances of you. Always, in every prayer of mine, for you all, making my prayer with joy. Verse 5, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. He's thanking God for them, for their friendship, for the relationship that they have. But he's thanking God specifically even for the partnership that they have in the gospel. That they have been working together. And remember, this is not the first letter. This is not the first experience Paul has had with these people. It's not like he left after his first trip and then he wrote this letter. We are seeing this after a relationship has been built. We are seeing this, as we will see later in the letter, after the Philippians have had a chance to support Paul through prayer, financially, in all these different ways, while he has been doing ministry in other places. There, there is this deep relationship here. And he is thanking God for them and for their partnership in the gospel. Now, I preached this when I came in view of a call that when, with me coming, I do, I do expect to lead the church. I kind of sounded like a cartoon character when I did that. I do, I do. Anyway, uh, but... I do expect to lead the church. I do expect to be held to a certain level of accountability because I am an overseer. I am uh, an elder, preacher, whatever word you want to use. I do fill that role. But I do expect, I have high expectations for each and every one of you. I believe that God has created us all to play an important role in the body of Christ. And I don't just mean to keep the lights on and to keep the building up, which are also important things, but in serving God in the community. In not just helping keep this building in shape, but what about our neighbors who need help with that? What, what about widows who need help with that? I, I want us, every single one of you is going to play an important part, an important role in the body of Christ. You are an important member as we move forward and as we strive to not only do great things inside this building, but to see God do incredible things outside this building to the ends of the earth. And so, Paul would not have been able to do what he did. We wouldn't have all these letters, uh, these books in the Bible written by Paul. We wouldn't have them if it wasn't for the people 
that God placed in his life to help him do ministry. And the Philippians were a prime example of this. And we'll see that as we move on as we get later into, into the book. But I need to move on so that I can finish this because I know that there's food in our future. Verse 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Okay, so God, if you are saved in this room, hopefully we are becoming more like Jesus every day. Now, sometimes we might act a little less like Jesus than we did the day before. There, there might be momentary moments of recession uh, or regression. That, that, that could happen, but it's a, it's a, uh, there's a book called A Long Step in the Right Direction. And that's where we're headed. There might be momentary backslides or whatever word you want to use, but we're headed toward Christ. And one day, Christ is going to return. And for those of us who have been saved, those of us who are in Him, He is going to perfect us. He is going to not just... It's not going to be a slow sanctification process. There is going to be a moment where He makes us into His image There's going to be a moment when we are given new bodies. There's going to be a moment where sin is no longer a temptation. That day is coming for us. And that's what Paul is saying. I'm sure that he who began a good work in you is going to bring it to completion at the day of Christ. So, look at verse 7. For those of you who think Paul's being a little too sentimental, listen to what he says. It is right for me to feel this way about you all. Because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace. It is right for me to miss some of my friends that I've done ministry with and they have gone on to other places. I was just talking about Michael. Michael and I grew up together. Um, We went to college together and now he lives in Texas. I don't know why. No, I'm just playing if you're from Texas. But uh, now he, he, (laughs) I can tell who's from Texas because everybody's bowing up. They pulled a cowboy hat out of their boot put it on but anyway um uh it's right for me to miss those people it's right for me to miss austin and Haley west who moved to new york in august to help build the kingdom there it's right for me to miss them it was right for me to miss brett lee who's the pastor at board camp baptist church anybody know where board camp is outside of mina three of y'all awesome uh I'm closer to him now. I'm about three hours closer to him. I'm excited about that. But it was right for me to miss him when we were pastors together in the Delta Association and he moved on. It's right for me to miss these people. It's right for Paul to miss these people. And it's right for you to miss these people. It's right for us to long to be with the people who we've lost in our life. Whether that's through moves or through death or whatever the case is, it's right for us to miss people that we've done ministry with. It is right for Paul to feel this way. Because they were partakers of him. Even in his imprisonment, they were there with him. Now look at verse 8. For God is my witness how I yearn for all of you, for you all, with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer, verse 9, that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. That's my prayer, is that as we begin this journey together... I know y'all have been on this journey. I'm kind of entering into it. But as we do it together, as we're partners in the gospel, I'm praying, it is my prayer, and I hope that it's your prayer for me and for the rest of the church, that our love, your love, will abound 
more and more. It is my prayer that you will, will increase in knowledge every day. But not just that you would know more, but that you would know the right decisions to make with that knowledge. You would increase in discernment. So continuing. Verse 10. So that you may approve what is excellent. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Last verse. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You see, we want to increase in love. We want to increase in knowledge. We want to increase in discernment so that we can be more like him. So that we can glorify him. So that we can honor him. So that we can be the church that God intends for us to be. So if, if, if you've had low expectations of church, if your expectations of your role in church has just been to show up on Sunday mornings or even other times and listen to someone talk, and that's the extent of church, drop those expectations at the door, okay? Before you even get some food in a minute, just leave those expectations behind because those are gone. The expectations that I have is for me to serve harder than anybody else in this room, but for all of you to be right there at my heels. For us to be serving each other, taking care of our needs first, when I say our, I don't mean selfishly. I mean our needs as the church and those in it. When we see people in our congregation who are hurting, we want to be there. We want to meet those needs. And then extending those that out to our community, to the surrounding communities, to the ends of the earth. That's my desire, that we will partner together to do great things for Christ. That one day in the distant, distant, distant future, as we're writing letters to each other, because y'all moved. I'm not moving ever again after unloading all those boxes. When we're writing letters together to each other, that we can thank God in our remembrances. Now, we've come to the end of, uh, this is where we're going to stop this morning. And we'll start back at verse 12 next week. But here's what I want you to take from this. Not only do we want to be the church that we've been talking about, But there are some very specific things that I'm going to encourage you in. We'll talk more about this tonight. But I know some of you might not make it back um, because you have just pressing needs. The rest of you will all be back, I know. Um, But are there people that you miss who used to be a part of this congregation? And when you think of them, you thank God for them, but you miss them? If... If, they, if those people have planted themselves in another church and they have found a church community that they feel comfortable with, then thank God for them and pray for them and continue to have a relationship and friendship with them. But let's not try to break up what God is doing there and bring them back. But if there are people who used to be a part of this congregation who have left for whatever reasons and they haven't found a church home or they're not invested in a church home, then go fishing. <laughs> go get them. And it's going to take you apologizing for your actions, for things that you've said, things that you've done, for things other people in the church have said and done. But we need to do it. We need to, to mend past wounds before we can move forward to where God is going to take us. And so my challenge, and we'll talk about this a little bit more tonight, but my challenge to you is this. If there are people who you hurt 
whether it was in the past year or whether it was 20 years ago. Go find them. Go tell them they're sorry. Reminisce about the good times you had together, not just saying sorry for the bad times. And encourage them to take a risk of being hurt again and come back to our church. Now again, if they found a church home, then bless that, pray for them. We're going to encourage that. That's great. But if they haven't, they need to be here. We need them, and they need us. And so that's one challenge I have for you. Another challenge I have for you is when you have these feelings that you thank God for someone, tell them. Paul says, it is right for me to feel this way. A lot of times we feel these things about people, but we're concerned about how it might come across if we tell them, right? Like, Matt, I was so impressed by the squirrels you killed that you put on Facebook. That was, you, I hope that I can be as manly as that one day. And it's right for me to feel this way, Matt, because I love you and your, your incredible hunting skills. Okay, if, if, there's, if, if you feel a certain way about someone, especially in your church family, then you need to tell them that you feel that way. Even if it's awkward, it's okay. Look, just the other day, I told this guy, I was like, hey man, I love you. And he's like, okay. <laughs> now, that person has been my best friend since fifth grade. So some people just don't enjoy that kind of conversation. That's okay. They'll get used to it. You just keep telling them. One day I'll get a surprise. I love you back. Even if it's like, no, too, man. But anyway, so those are some very practical things that you can do with this sermon. Is that you can think back to where God has taken us in the past and how it's led us to this moment and pray about where we're going in the future. Pray that our love would increase, our knowledge would increase, our discernment would increase. When you remember people, when you thank God for them, tell them, especially if those people have been hurt by us, by this church in the past, go tell them that you're sorry. Go tell them that you have learned from that mistake, from from that situation. It might be a Paul and Barnabas thing where maybe nobody was really right or nobody was visibly wrong. It's just, it was a split that occurred. And maybe now it's time for that, for there to be healing. I mean, look at Mark. Mark, yeah, Paul didn't want him to come back on the mission uh, trip with them. But he ends up having this great relationship with Paul, where when Paul is near the end of his life and he's writing a letter, he asks for Mark to return to where he, send Mark because he is helpful for me. There might be people that maybe they've been outside of this church for a year or 20 years, and it's time for them to come home. Let's go get them, okay? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. And God, I just pray that it would be alive in us this morning. Lord, I pray that you would revive us and that we would fall in love with your word and with you more and more every day. That we would fall in love with each other more and more every day. I pray that you would do great things in our hearts and in our lives. Bring people to mind that we need to go and we need to get them and tell them that we're sorry and tell them that we love them and and bring them back into this fold. God, I pray that you would do great things in this church, through this church in the future. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning who we're talking about a church family, we're talking about being 
conformed and, and transformed into your image. And yet they might not have a relationship with you yet. Lord, I pray if there's anyone in here who has not been saved and who, who wants to talk about that, that they would be bold and that they would find someone or they would come to me during this invitation and we could talk about that, that they would come to you, they would ask you to forgive them of their sins and that you would save them. Lord, I just pray that you, whatever you're convicting us of, that, that we would respond this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. During this invitation, I encourage you, if you need to come to Christ, come to Christ. If you need to spend time in prayer, maybe you've been hurt. And you need to take that to God. Or maybe you've hurt others. And you need to ask God how to proceed. Whatever God is doing in your life, if, if, there, if you want to respond to him right where you're sitting, or if you want to come to the altar, or whatever the case is, just respond to God appropriately.